Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. Command codes verified. Welcome back to GGR Pirate Radio. You heard the man, ladies and gentlemen. This is GGR Pirate Radio, and we are back. We have got Mr. Steve Monick joining us this evening. <laughs> We've also got uh, the spooktacular and frightening Andy Bosch. They're all going to laugh at you, Mike. <laughs> They're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you. And Steve, because you're in Pittsburgh, they're coming to get you, Barbara. I, I don't know what you're referencing. Anyway, let's talk about zombie movies. <laughs> um, there is a particular horror movie that just came out uh, at midnight last night, actually. Uh, and that would be the... I mean, how are they terming this? Is this a remake? Is this a sequel? Like, what, what, what exactly is this version of Halloween that we're seeing, Andy? It's technically a sequel that's retconning all the sequels. Uh, it's a direct follow-up to the original Halloween. Which... I didn't think it was necessary, but... So, so basically, like, all of the other stuff is gone, then. So, like, the fact that, like, he is Michael Myers because of some sort of weird druid curse or something like that doesn't exi exist anymore? Yeah, but you can kind of argue that, you know, that stuff's been written out anyway. Like, that's already been written out when they did H2O. Okay. A lot of fans didn't really care for those movies anyway, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, and... and... The, the Rob Zombie stuff was all a different continuity, a different timeline, if you really want to go into the whole comic book thing like we do. Those are just, like, retellings of the same story, basically, right? Not the... The the first one was kind of a... It's like if Rob Zombie took the material and did what he wanted to. The second one went way off the charts. And, like I said, I it's it has to do with the horse. It has to do with Laurie Strode just screaming at everybody and, you know... It's just a mess of a movie. Yeah. It just doesn't for, work. For comic book fans, the way I analogize it is horror movies are the Marvel 616 and the Rob Zombie ones are the ultimate universe. Uh, and it's like we're we're retelling it at the very beginning and then what this got way out of hand way quickly. Let's just kill everything except the four popular people and bring them into the real one. That's being way too kind. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, when you have to have Doctor Doom have goat legs, then there's an issue. So, I mean, you don't have to. That was a choice. <laughs> <laughs> that was a choice. Um, so yeah, okay. So it's essentially a sequel to the first Halloween movie starring Jamie Lee Curtis that essentially like put her on the map as far as uh, stardom goes. Um, what what did you think? I mean, like without spoiling it, obviously. Um, how, how is this movie? Is this worth our time? Is this worth our money? Should we go see this? If you're a fan of the Halloween movies, then it's definitely worth checking out. But don't get your expectations up too high. This is probably one of the best way to say it. It's up there with the first two movies and uh, first three, actually, because I actually love the third movie. Uh, and it's probably like better than the uh, four and five and six, the Thorn Cult stuff, which isn't really, a, you know, Fans don't really care for those movies as much. So it's definitely one of the better sequels, especially compared to, like, the one with Buster Rhymes and, you know, <laughs> Ty Tyra Banks and Rookie of the Year. You can bite your tongue. Fight me, man. Bring no, it. that's not a hill I'm dying on. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, the movie has uh, it's it's got a lot of hype built up to it. Like they got Jamie Lee Curtis back, they got uh, John Carpenter back. They even got a guy who played Michael Myers in the first movie, uh, uh, Nick Castle, who went on to be a pretty good director. He's back as playing Michael Myers for some scenes anyway. You know, this is just a great big like celebration of the first film, but they don't really do a lot with it. You know what I mean? It just sort of it doesn't fall apart, but like it just kind of falls flat, if that makes any sense. So but, a, good, a good analogy would be much like um, the Superman Returns homage that Brian Singer did to the original Richard Donner Superman 1 and Superman 2. This is the same thing because it's it's, it's continuing without remembering any of the other movies and it, it's a great homage to this original thing but it just doesn't quite capture what we're looking for to move forward. Yeah, and and it's it's not I'm not bashing the movie at all. It's still a really good movie. Um it, you get what you pay for, Michael. You know, you get what you're what you're looking for. Michael Myers is still killing people. Jamie Lee Curtis is still a, an amazing actress. John Carpenter does the music with, uh, I believe it's his, I, mean, I could be wrong, I think it's his uh, son or grandson and another gentleman, and the score is amazing. It's it's brilliant. John Carpenter's always done amazing music, and I'm considering getting the soundtrack because it's, it's just brilliant. Uh, I'm trying to, there's a, it's just I think it's still worth checking out but like I said it just falls a little flat for me yeah so okay so yeah I mean it's definitely worth your time worth your money go so anybody who is on the fence about this I would definitely say Andy Barsh gives it the thumbs up of it's worth your time so go check it out yeah check it out yeah Um, but don't go in there with your you know expecting to be blown away well and I think that's that's the problem and we see that with like all the people who are going to see Star Wars um, in the theaters is there there's a level of expectation that people have with these follow-ups to these work works of art very rarely do any of these newer movies like the new sequels or the new retellings i i don't think i've seen anybody who's really said like oh hey this one is better than the original so um just forget everything you know about the original because this new one has completely replaced it i mean there's a what? few out there but uh, for the most part i just think that's rare I think the problem is that there's so many Halloweens, there's so many Star Wars at this point. It's kind of like, well, it's good, like it's, it's not, it's not as bad as those last few films. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're, you're get, you, you know, you got your, you got your snack, but you didn't get your dinner. If that makes any sense. Yeah, but I, I also think it's in the same vein though too that people have built up that dinner that they had back in the '70s or '80s so much that like there's no way anything could ever possibly replace it you know like we'll use star wars as the analogy you know everybody talks about star wars and empire strikes back and return of the jedi there was some serious backlash to return of the jedi when that movie came out a lot of people were pissed and they didn't like how cheesy and campy it was and that it was kind of like kitty and even i mean when we talked about this in a few weeks ago in the geek sheets when steve brought up the the passing of gary kurtz that was part of what caused Gary Kurtz and George Lucas to kind of uh, part ways was Kurtz was like, I mean, I'm sure he didn't say these exact words, but he was just kind of like looking at what Lucas was doing with the turn of the Jedi. And he was like, Ewoks, are you fucking serious? Like, you're just going to sell kids toys. Like, why don't we make a good movie, George? And George is like, Oh, well actually, if you see, uh, and he was like, no, 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 this is horrible. I'm out. And it's, I, I don't know, you know, like it's, it's, it's commercialism versus, telling a good story and 
ultimately George Lucas is, is probably laughing all the way to his billions of dollars that, as he sold the Star Wars franchise. But like, would it have made a difference? I mean, I, I think that everybody kind of builds these things up over time so that there's no possible way that anything could be better than it. Uh, it's kind of hard to compare. I mean, it's a different it's a different animal compared to Star Wars when you're talking about Halloween. Because there's not... I mean, Halloween... There's no, like, one single owner of the Halloween property. You, you know, not once... There's so many people making money off this. There's no... Like, you, you don't sell Halloween toys. They don't sell Michael Myers toys. And there's... John Carpenter doesn't really make a lot of money off that because he sold the rights. But that's going down a whole... You know. But in terms of, like, you know, the movies... I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm so tired no, from laughing. I see what you're saying. There's, there's no marketing aspect to Halloween where people are, are going out and, you know, I remember as a kid that I had my own Michael Myers, you know, action figure, you know? Yeah, st stuff like that. Yeah. Which is weird because they made alien action figures back then, too. I guess, yeah, I guess they did. I remember, like, having alien action figures because, like, the aliens always, like, if you're playing with your action figures... Like, Xenomorphs just always make a really, really good bad guy. Like, for yeah. anybody to fight. Whether it's the X-Men or whether it's, like, you know, He-Man. Anybody can fight a Xenomorph. It's just a good fight, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just don't bleed on me. That's a good point. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, so, like, if a Jedi fought an alien, right? Like a Xenomorph. And they use their lightsaber and they chop off one of their limbs, right? It's supposed to cauterize the wounds, right? So there shouldn't be any blood. But because the Xenomorph's blood is acid... Do their, does their blood not cauterize? Like, how does that work? Maybe you their blood would think, melt the lightsaber. I mean, you got to think, like, their biology is designed such that their tissue can keep that acid in. So unless you're saying there's some sort of chemical reaction when it mixes with oxygen or something in the air that creates the acid that, you know, instantaneously, you would think that, you know, the heat from cutting their arm would cauterize the tissue, and that tissue is already designed to keep the acid in. Oh, well, there, see, there you go. I do have a degree in biology. <laughs> see, this is why we keep you around, Steve, because you say smart, <laughs> sciencey things every now and then. Um, well, there you go. There's your answer, nerds. Yes, a lightsaber would cut through an alien and cauterize the wound, and you would not get acid blood all over you. So Darth Vader would win in a fight against the aliens. Problem solved. Problem solved. solved. <laughs> That might have to be our new cat, uh, our new uh, tagline. GGR Pirate Radio, solving nerd problems since 2014. I'm glad we finally solved that minutes-long debate. <laughs> Man, I'm glad we solved this mystery. Um, as far as, like, other movies that have been remade, while we're, uh, we're waiting for uh, Mr. James Rambo to join us, um, what, are some, what are some remakes that you guys have seen that you actually really enjoyed? Hmm. Like I, I mean, I can I can start with one I mentioned on uh, on last week's uh, episode of when we were talking about uh, horror movies, um, the Amityville Horror starring Ryan Reynolds. I thought as actually better than the original one. Um, I thought it was way scarier than the James Brolin one. Um, just Ryan Reynolds normally is kind of goof when he's when he's in movies, but like this, he was he was scary. He was frightening. Like it was it was a really enjoyable horror flick that that had a lot of good moments, um, and it really kind of put some subtext to the whole Amityville Horror. Um, story like you actually kind of found out the whys uh where it was kind of just only implied in the original version it's definitely better paced than the original yeah 
Yeah, for sure. Because it, it took forever for anything to happen in the original. From what I remember, I haven't seen either one for a long time. Uh, oh. Another remake that... Uh, actually, you know what? Here, I'll bring up uh, Rambo's um, horror movie article because he talks about a lot of them uh, in his article. Um, they're... They do a lot of horror movie remakes. I mean, what did you guys... Did any of you guys see the remakes of the Evil Dead movies that they made? Yeah. No. And what did you think of those? I thought it was actually really good. Like, I wouldn't even consider it a remake because it doesn't even seem like it's related to the other ones. Like, there's no ash in it, so it doesn't really, you know, seem like a... Feel like a remake all that much. But yeah, I thought it was a really solid film. Great special effects and some really good scares. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and looking through his list, um, some of the ones that he talks about uh, that were remakes. Uh, he talks about Fright Night, the 2011 Fright Night, um, with Anton Yelchin and um, David Tennant. Yeah, David Tennant's in that one, and we also get a an Colin Farrell, right? Colin Farrell, yeah. Um, he said that that one was really good. I haven't seen the new one. I saw the old one when I was a kid. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm. His his list was really good, guys. Like it, again, check it out. It's on it's on GGR right now. If you go to articles, it's right there. It's the first one at the top, right next to uh, Andy's horror movies. As a matter of fact, um, Night Living Dead has is a great remake. The one with uh, Tony Todd and uh, Tom Savini directed it. The horror makeup guy. Yeah. He he, that's a really good one. It's filmed just right outside, right between uh, Pittsburgh and Wheeling, where Steve and I live. Oh, yeah. uh, Washington, PA. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. Yeah. So That's gonna... a good... Sorry, go ahead. No, you're good, man. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with one in a completely different direction. Instead of horror, I'm going to go with a comedy that is a remake. Um, it is one of my favorite comedies, and it's The Birdcage with Nathan Lane and Robin Williams. Like, that, I absolutely love that movie. That is just one of the funniest movies out there. And the two of them playing off of each other as... Uh, this gay couple who run a um, a nightclub and in Miami is just absolutely hilarious. Uh, that's that's one of my favorites. Um, I'm I didn't even know that was a remake. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because it was originally a stage play uh, called La Caja Fall, which is the Birdcage um, oh. in French. But um, oh, another really good one. Okay, so uh, Denzel Washington was uh, it was him and Lee Schreiber in uh, the Manchurian Candidate. And that's a remake of an old um, Frank Sinatra movie from the 60s that was really, really good. Because this one's now more about like the conflicts in the Middle East, whereas the one that Sinatra was in was about um, the Korean War, which makes more sense the Manchurian Candidate with that um, because of China and all of the communist stuff going on there. So Interesting. Yeah. Going back to the horror remake side of things, one, I'm a big fan of the classic universal black and white monster films, Mm -hmm. but the remake that was made in the 90s of The Mummy, uh, where they kind of shifted it more to an action adventure style, I thought that was a really, I thought they were great. And it's like, okay, you're taking kind of something that nowadays seems a little campy and, you know, a little tame compared to the other horror movies we've been talking about and will be talking about tonight. Um, but I, I know I, I guess I kind of look at them the same way I look at the Beatles. It was like, Hey, you wouldn't have any horror movies without these guys. Okay. So calm down. Um, and 
taking that element and making it action adventure, kind of marrying it with like an Indiana Jones, it's a really good remake. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I really enjoyed those two. Um, and then they tried to remake them again recently with uh, Tom Cruise. That didn't go so well. <laughs> that was supposed to be the whole dark universe setting up the whole Universal Monster movies cinema, whatever. That was not well done. Um, Andy, any any that you can think of that you really enjoyed that were uh, that were good remakes? The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Which, is some would argue, it's actually more of a sequel than a remake. But yeah. Uh, um, but to be fair, the the original Thing is actually pretty good too. It's just you know, it's very dated and it's got a lot of you know, 1950s sci-fi tropes. But if you're into those things, it's you know, it's there. Yeah. The scene at the end of the original one where they're just kind of like throwing bottled like Molotov cocktails at him and stuff. I mean, back yeah. then, though, that that's actually pretty decent special effects. That no special effects at all. They set a dude on fire. I mean, you know, that's kind of what you need to do in the 50s. Go. Well, yeah, <laughs> there was no well, other we have to use you have to use the atomic ray because then you'll have to reverse the particle flow with the. Or some shit. I don't know. That was good though. I mean, you, you sort of went into that '50s thing, but then you kind of gave up. Yeah, yeah you, I had, got... you had me there for a minute. You, you got to commit to that, Andy. I'm not committing to nothing. Who do you um, think I am? I don't know. Um, so, okay, a movie that was absolutely horrid, but it was a remake, and I want to talk about it because it's one of the weirdest movies ever. Um, and it's The Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage. All right, here we go. Let's do this. <laughs> Do you have your sound bites queued up yet? No, I can't because we're not at the studio. So. Oh. Uh. Oh God! Just like that movie is so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. But it's it's Cage, so it's good. You know. You know what I mean? Like it's. I, yeah. I don't know about Nicolas Cage, man. Like he he just he, at one point he jumped the shark, but everybody was okay with it. So. It's I, I can't get mad at him for being a. It, it, that's the thing is he's not a horrible actor. He won a goddamn Academy Award for leaving Las Vegas. He's an amazing actor, but he just it's it's like once he won the Academy Award, he was like, you know what? Instead of being a well thought of respected actor, how about I just do a bunch of crazy shit? How's that sound? And he he's enjoying he's enjoying what he's doing. That's for sure. You know, like I think what happened was he 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 spent a lot of money on weird things like he. When he was supposed to do that Superman movie, he made, he had, like, a big addition to his house. Oh, did he really? And then, oh, yeah. Like, it was just so he can read Superman comic books over and over again to get into the character. Yeah. But when that thing fell apart and, like, he just spent too much money and he started taking acting roles anywhere, doing anything so he can pay off those debts. Wow. So that's why he's in, that's why he's, he's sort of doing all these weird cult movies. He did, he did do a lot of crazy stuff with his money, though, man. Like, he, yeah. He bought a Tyrannosaurus Rex skull at one point, or like stole it, or so, I don't know. There was a weird story about that. Like, did you guys hear about that? No, this yeah, is they get to return it, right? Yeah. All right, hang on. I'm looking it up. Nicholas Cage, uh, T Rex skull. Let's see. It was like it was stolen from China or some something crazy. Like, yeah, here it is. Nicholas Cage agrees to return stolen dinosaur skull to Mongolia. Like, eight years ago, the skull of a Tyrannosaurus. Um, was the star artifact in a natural history themed luxury auction in Manhattan. It sold for 276000 to an anonymous buyer. 
As it turns out, the skull had been stolen from the Gobi Desert in Mongolia, and the buyer was Nicholas Cage. <laughs> a publicist for Mr. Cage confirmed that he bought the skull from the Beverly Hills Gallery I Am Chait in 2007, according to uh, Reuters. The Department of Homeland Security contacted Mr. Cage about the skull last year, and the actor agreed to turn it over. What the hell? His movies, like National Treasure, th that was his real life. Like, for all we know, that was like somebody was just following him around with like a steady cam, and it, like, it's, it's just a documentary. Like, what the hell? I think Ghost I think Rider would be more accurate. He just he just sets his head aflame every now and again. <laughs> He's going somewhere. He's like, oh, oh yeah, I'm Ghost Rider now. <laughs> Let's ride. Have I you ever that, seen uh, that new movie? He's in Mandy is supposed to be like really jacked up. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, Shutter the the streaming horror service. They quickly bought the rights to that thing so they can stream it whenever it's available. That is just absolute not just insanity. Like, I don't the, the, I don't even know what to say about him. Like, other than he's just he's he's insane. But yeah, he he played uh, Superman in the new Teen Titans cartoon movie yeah which which i haven't seen unfortunately I, my, my son really wants to see it so i'll have to get it at some point and we'll have to watch it but um um i mean i guess all of those japanese movies we talked about those last week all the japanese horror movies that they remade um there were so many of those um but i just they're sorry go ahead. No, you're fine they're weird i don't i don't understand most of them like uh, what's scary to japanese people is not scary to me and for the most part like um I'm not frightened by a little Japanese child um, that that meows like a cat. I just think it's funny. A lot of that has to do with the culture, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure they don't find like Jason Voorhees scary or, you know, anything like that. It's more about the more spiritual stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it must be a cultural thing. Um. Guys, what we're going to do is we're having some technical issues right now um, with Skype. We're trying to get James Rambo on uh, so he can talk about his piece. What we're going to do is for all of you out there listening, I'm going to play a little bit of music for you. Um, we are going to come back in just a second after I have regained all of my, my Skype fellows, um, and we will be continuing to talk about uh, horrifying media in just a few minutes here. But in the meantime, you can enjoy... Aretha Franklin's Think from the Blues Brothers soundtrack.
you guys are still there, huh? Yeah. That is so weird. Unfortunately. <laughs> it's not unfortunate. I'm glad you guys are still there. Um, I'm trying to get Rambo. Um, let's let's try again. Don't you love modern technology, guys? Isn't it wonderful? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's the best. Or nothing. James Rambo, are you there? Yes, sir. Okay, so the weird thing is, is now that I've done this with you, um, I lost Steve and Andy. So let me go, <laughs> let me try to add them back in here. So hang on one second, okay? Sure. <laughs> Don't you just love Skype? Isn't it the best? Technology is just glorious. Well, hello. Hello. Okay, so that's two. Let me go ahead and add Andy. Feel like you have to. <laughs> Rude. Uh, that was. Andy, I apologize. Andy is our friend. We love Andy. <laughs> um, we were actually, Mr. Rambo, while we're waiting for Andy to join us, um, we were actually talking about your horror movie list. Um, yeah? Yeah, because we started going on to the topic of uh, remakes, both good and bad. Um, sure. And we kind of dovetailed a little bit, and we went into uh, the, and, and no pun intended, the horror that is the um, the catalog of movies that have been made by Nicolas Cage. Um, <laughs> that and, man works. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically like, it's like he, he it, I almost imagine like he's got an email inbox of all of the movies that he gets offered, right? And yeah. instead of like perusing them, he just like has like a form that just says yes to all of them. And he just, it's just accept, you know, like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. Cool. Whatever. You know, he's just, he's in no matter what you got, what crazy shit you got going on. And we were talking about, there's a, bring up an interesting question okay. of like, legitimately, what does Nicolas Cage say no to? Like, what are those scripts like? Yeah. Right. Like, I'm curious what Nick Cage has said no to as far as movies go. Um, but then also too, like we, this all came up because we were talking about the wicker man because the wicker man is a remake. Yes, it is. It's oh my god, the the first one was bad, but the second one when just I don't know what's so funny about it, but anytime bees are involved, <laughs> it just it makes me laugh because all I can hear is just somebody going bees, like bees, yes, exactly. not the bees. Exactly, yeah. Oh god, not the bees. Yeah. Plus, there's this there's this cartoon show on uh, Cartoon Network called Clarence. And it's just, it's so stupid, but my son loves it, and I love it too, and my wife loves it. And at one point, Clarence puts a bunch of bees in a pinata, but oh no, he calls it the mystery pinata, because nobody else knows what's inside the, the pinata. But he's been giving hints the whole time, and like at one point, he's like, he's like, I can't wait for you to open the pinata. You'll be surprised. <laughs> Do you need some more honey in your tea? Hang on, let me take off my bee suit. As like the other characters like figuring it out, like the Kaiser Soze moment in uh, uh, Usual Suspects. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Um, but thanks for joining us, James Rambo. Absolutely. Um, so let's see. I uh, I found a ranker list of movies he almost did. That he didn't do. That he didn't do. Uh, obviously, okay. Superman. Yeah. We all know that. Yeah. Uh, he was almost Aragorn. What? Yeah. Uh, apparently, 2011 interview that Peter Jackson had discussed casting him as Aragorn in the Lord of the Rings films. Uh, decided to turn down the role 
not because he didn't feel like he was believable, um, but because he wanted to spend more time with his family. I okay, hang on. I, I wouldn't have been able to accept. I, I no, no, no. <laughs> like Nick Cage as as wait, hang on though. Had he jumped the shark in his career yet? I mean, Vampire's Kiss was early on in that career. Yeah, I think he did also win an Academy Award for yes, uh, he did Las Vegas. So he might which have... is after that <laughs> was it really? Yeah, dude, Vampire's Kiss was like early eighties. Oh no, 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 late. I thought you were, I thought you were saying Lord. I thought you were saying Lord of the Rings was. No, 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 no. Um, no, Lord of the Rings was uh, well, Lord of the Rings was after um, after his Oscar, but. Uh, he started doing weirder and weirder performances. Not performances, but just weirder and weirder movies. Um, but that's the thing. There's never been a time when he wasn't doing wacky shit. Uh, okay, I think what's sure. happened is he's gotten more and more prolific. And so we have greater access to things now. And so we're able to see. I mean, like, people don't talk about him the way they talk about Ben Kingsley. And Ben Kingsley does some shitty movies. Yeah. Um, because at this point, it's it's just like, hey, do you want to make five hundred grand and spend two weeks in Prague? Yeah, I'll do that. How, what am I, what's my shooting schedule? Like three hours a day? That's what's up. Yeah. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. You guys have to listen to this shit. Listen, listen to the way other people describe Nick Cage. According to the Guardian film uh, film critic Luke Buckmaster, any casual observer can see that Nick Cage is entertaining, charismatic, and wildly flamboyant, attributing it partly to the well cultured background of Cage's family. Buckmaster said the actor is clearly attracted to grotesque characters and is celebrated for his wild and unhinged approach to them. He has the presence of a leading man and the, uh, ex- I can't even say eccentric, e- eccentricities of a character. Eccentricities, actor. yeah. Okay. Actor Ethan Hawke claimed in 2003 that Cage is the only actor since Marlon Brando that act- that's actually done anything new with the art. Wow. <laughs> um... <laughs> That's high praise. Crediting him for uh, taking film audiences away from an obsession with naturalism into a kind of presentation style of acting that I imagine was popular with the old troubadours. The film director, David Lynch, like first off, fucking David Lynch is out of his goddamn mind. But David Lynch describes him as the jazz musician (laughs) of American acting. (laughs) Lynch (laughs) loves him. He's been in at least two of his movies. No, 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 excuse me. He's he's only in the one, I think. Um, But uh, yeah, dude, there's there's like a 20 minute video of him talking about the various roles he's done. Yeah. Um, and it was all like a, a, a setup as, a, as an advertisement for his new movie, Mandy, yeah. which I haven't seen, but it's getting really good reviews. Yeah, that's what Steve, um, that's what Steve was saying. And Andy was uh, kind of backing that up too. It's supposed to be fucking crazy. Um, I know nothing about it. I don't want to know anything about it. I just want to watch it. Um, all the ads have him like covered in blood and there's something called the cheese goblin. Which is in, which is in advertisements for macaroni and cheese, where it's just vomiting mac and cheese on kids. What? It looks absolutely bonkers. That sounds um, awesome. I know, right? So, so listen, like so. So Lynch describes him as the jazz musician of American acting. Again, Lynch, absolutely insane, but also fucking brilliant too. Sure. Um, many critics have accused Nicolas Cage of overacting. Uh, after the actor's series of mainstream marketed thriller films during the late 1990s, Sean Penn told the New York Times in 1999 that Cage was no longer an actor, but more like a performer. <laughs> so, like... Fuck you, act- Sean Penn. Actors actors love him. Like, they're just like, he's amazing. Like, what? Like, <laughs> Yeah, man. It's... Dude. 
All right, so let's get on this list from Ranker. Please do. So we established, you know, everybody knows Superman. Uh, we've established Aragorn. He was almost Neo. Um, he he passed on the Matrix because he just didn't want to go and shoot in Australia. Um, <laughs> he was almost the Scarecrow in one of Schumacher. Schumacher was going to do another Batman movie, um, and. He, he was going to have there was there was a rumor a long time ago, uh, and this just confirms it, that the Scarecrow was going to be the next villain, um, which it's funny. Like, it's funny to hear these rumors and like, oh, that got debunked and it didn't happen. And then you see the next movie that comes out. And you're like, I don't know. It totally did. They just changed the script. Um, the Scarecrow was going to be the villain in the fifth movie. And instead, what we got was Batman Begins, um, wherein the Scarecrow appears. But. Um, Scarecrow was going to appear uh, uh, as the villain. There was going to be a sequence where where Batman gets fear gassed, and Jack Nicholson was going to reprise his role as the Joker. Um, yeah, this is all shit that was going to happen. Um, <laughs> what else? What else? What else? He was almost Willy Wonka. Um, <laughs> apparently, apparently, him, Michael Keaton, Christopher Walken, and John C. Riley were all in the early running for the role. Um, what else? Uh, Chev Chelios from uh, Crank. That was almost Nicolas Cage. Jesus. Um, that I could see more than any of these other ones. I mean, it's... Oh, oh dude, I'm not done. Uh, <laughs> uh, Randy the Ram Robinson from The Wrestler. Instead of... Instead of uh, Mickey Rourke, it was almost Nick Cage. Um, holy shit. Skeletor. Nicolas Cage was almost Skeletor. What? That needs to happen. Back in 2004, this, so this is directly from the, from the Ranker article. Back in 2004, before he returned to China to make real movies again, director John Woo would be considering an update of the venerable Masters of the Universe toying cartoon and atrocious 80s film franchise. Fuck you, Ranker. That movie's amazing. I know, I um, Jason Lewis, then riding high on Sex and City fame, was a favorite to take on the re- lead role of He-Man. And say it with me now, Nicolas Cage was considered for the part of Skeletor. He would have um, been great. He would have been wonderful. Oh, fuck Not me, the man. bees! <laughs> um, I'll get Nicholas, you, He-Man, with bees! He was almost Harry Dunn in Dumb and Dumber. Um, <laughs> he was almost John Bender in The Breakfast Club. Let's just stop uh, this right now and just say any movie that you've ever seen ever, Nicholas, Nicholas Cage, Cage almost got the, the role and probably turned it down. Wow. Yeah, there's, oh yeah, there's some wild shit going on. Just li- listen to some of this stuff, though, uh, with his his life. Like, this is, this was going to be about horror media, but now we're talking about Nick Cage because his life is fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. Kathleen Turner wrote in her 2008 memoir, Send Your Roses, that Nicolas Cage had stolen a chihuahua and was arrested twice for drunk driving while they filmed Peggy Sue Got Married. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. But here's the thing, is later she admitted Cage did not steal a chihuahua, and she was sorry. But nothing about the two drunk driving charges. Like, yeah. The, the yeah, chihuahua like said, was the issue. There's a 20, like, it's like 21 minutes and change uh, of him talking about, like, the most iconic cr- roles in his career. And it's really fascinating to hear his perspective on things. Um, and, like, the things he would do to, like, get ready for roles, like... Um, uh, and not just like ahead of ahead of filming, but like immediately before they would start shooting. So in Bad Lieutenant, the one he did with uh, Werner Herzog, yeah, um, he was snorting fake cocaine 
but he didn't tell anyone it was fake cocaine. So he would do these massive lines just before <laughs> they would start shooting <laughs> and then act like a crazy person. And, and everybody's act, like, oh my right. God, act. what's going on? Here's, here, here's even better because, again, he's no longer a real person. He is a cartoon character. A police officer was flagged down by onlookers after Nick Cage allegedly grabbed his wife's upper arm while appearing to be under the influence of alcohol. Cage was held in police custody under a bail of $11,000, which was posted by Dwayne Dog Chapman from Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> oh, dear God. Cage's life is just a series of, like, of like people, like, popping in. Like, uh, there's cameos in his life. Like, what the fuck, dude? I mean, say what you will about the man, but homeboy oh, works. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> There's a BuzzFeed article from 2017 titled 11 Movies That were that Almost Starred Nicolas Cage But Were Lame Instead. <laughs> I feel like he's he's just gotten to he's gotten to the point where like So for any of you guys who ever like watch um, professional wrestling, I, I don't know if any of you guys ever did at any point, but I I was really into it for a while. And one of one of the things that I love is when a a character is a bad guy, but the bad guy is so charismatic that everybody loves him anyways. Like, I feel that that's Nick Cage. Like, Nick Cage just does this insane shit. And most people will be like, wow, this guy needs help. Or, man, you know, I can't believe his career has just become derailed. We can't see any of his movies. Meanwhile, with him, the crazier the shit is, the better it is. And more people love him. Like, it's... I don't know how it happened. Like, he, he's broken the mold for how you do things in Hollywood. Con Air is one of my favorite movies. His performance in... Uh, uh, and Kick-Ass is fantastic, where he's doing this crazy-ass Adam West shit. Um, yeah, like, what if Adam West dropped a bunch of acid like that? It's, <laughs> he's, he's a, like, there's no getting around the fact that he's an incredibly talented actor. Yeah. Whether or not you like his choices, that's a whole other issue. Yeah. Um, but I would say that I've yet to watch a movie starring him that I wasn't at least entertained by. I think that that is a perfect segue, Mr. Rambo, to go into your segment. And your okay. Segment normally is is don't watch shitty media, which don't watch shitty media. Yeah. Too many good things. Brought to you by uh, James Rambo. But this one is the spooky version of it. Yeah. All right. Ooh, yeah, isn't that nice? Ooh. Very scary. Ooh. I'm scared. <laughs> don't do that. Oh. So a tie-in. Here, um, go to GreatGeekRefuge.com. Uh, click on articles. The first article you see in the top left-hand corner is the top ten horror movies by Mr. James Rambo, the man who's going to be running this segment here in just a moment. Um, because Andy did five movies, I did six movies, Vic did five, and that wasn't enough for James Rambo. He needed to do ten, so he had to one-up all of us. This grand. I did manage to to cut down my initial list of seventeen <laughs> to fifteen. With five of them being honorable mentions. <laughs> I'm never ever going to censor anybody on a GGR article when they're like, I have more content. And I'm never going to be like, no, don't give us more. No, give us everything That's you got. too much. No, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as a plethora of content on GGR. There, yeah, there, were, it was, there was like two that I, I found. I was like, I really enjoy this, but I don't have a lot to say about it. And so... This would just be, be, be me being like, this is a movie that exists. You should watch it. Um, 
and that's just a waste of everyone's time. Yeah. So you had something in mind here with what you wanted to discuss, Mr. Rambo. In fact, you said you wanted to discuss media that was horrifying and spooky, but not movies, because I think everybody goes right for you know the jugular, you know, no pun intended, when it comes to this, and they go right for horror movies. But there's a lot of great other media out there. Um, so yes. This is your baby, man. Run with it, and let us let us discuss as you bring up some of this horrifying content. All right, there, this is also not a short list. Um, <laughs> okay. But uh, all right, let's let's. Uh, so let, I do have one movie on the list. So let's knock that out real quick. Um, it is an animated film uh, from the late two thousands called Paranorman. Um, if anyone has seen Paranorman, congratulations, you are all the better for it. Uh, if you have not seen Paranorman, it is uh, a stop-motion animated movie by Leica Studios, the same people who brought you uh, Coraline and Kubo and the Two Strings. Um, and it is, in some part, sort of what if The Sixth Sense was cuter? Um, the lead character is a kid named Norman who has the ability to see ghosts. Um, only they don't really terrify him. Uh, he's just able to see them. So as far as he's concerned, yeah, ghosts are just a part of life. Um, and the story has, you know, and it, it's, it's mostly just sort of like, Oh, you know, Norman can see ghosts. That's fun. Um, until, uh, <laughs> the ghost of this little girl, uh, manages to resurrect a bunch of old men. Um, and we're talking like 1800s old men. Um, so there are a bunch of zombies that start running around the town he's in. Uh, and the, the reason as to why they resurrect is fucking disturbing, uh, and really, really heartbreaking. Um, but, uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's really funny and really sweet. Uh, it has one of the best character reveals, um, that completely shifts a relationship. And the, in the absolute, like, the last maybe five or ten minutes of the movie. Um, and I highly recommend it. It is, and, and, and it's just a, a gorgeous, gorgeous movie to behold as well. Uh, so, yeah, Paranorman. Well, your your recommendation of Paranorman actually received praise from our listeners. Miss um, Charmaine, uh, as we have affectionately referred to as uh, Charmaine the chauffeur, uh, says that she loves Paranorman. So, good call. Hey, Charmaine. <laughs> Nobody else is going to say hey to Charmaine. Thank you for listening, Charmaine. Charmaine! <laughs> but no, it's, it's absolutely you. gorgeous. They, they like it does this thing where, um, for the most part, it's all stop motion. But where they have to use digital effects, they tweak them so they don't look like they're digital. They look like, hey, so, so like there's a whole sequence uh, – about middle toward the like the last latter third of the movie where this big storm kicks in and the storm clouds all look like fabric that's being knotted up and moved around um specifically so it looks like it doesn't break um what you were talking about uh uh wrestling doesn't break kayfabe like they're trying to maintain your your illusion uh and your sense of of uh of wonder um and they do a, fan- a fantastic job of it too, um, but yeah, like that. God, the end of that movie is so rough. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's the one movie on the list. Um, the next thing is uh, comics. Okay. Um, the first horror comic that sprang to mind that I really, really enjoy is one of them. One of the more recent ones. 
It's called American Vampire. American Vampire uh, is written by Scott Snyder, uh, made famous in the last couple of years as being the writer to take over Batman for the New 52. The New 52, for the most part, was an abject failure. Uh, but the Batman run that came out of it is fantastic and is very much worth your time. Um, the majority of the series is drawn by a guy named Raphael Albuquerque, uh, who I absolutely love. Um, it, he, he is able to bring a sense of like kinetic action to his work that still, um, it's still like really, really engaging, like the, the visuals, uh, and, and all of his characters look really charming and, uh, really sweet until they dolt, uh, at which point, like he draws some scary ass monsters. Um, he's definitely tapping a line from like, um, like Fright Night 2, you know, the really extended jaws, um, and, and, and super long fangs. Um, but yeah, so the, 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 the basic concept of American Vampire is, um, you know how there are like Mexican legends about vampires and Chinese legends about vampires and European legends about vampires and they're all different. Yeah. The reason is they're all different breeds of the same animal. So there are European vampires. There are Mexican vampires. There are Chinese vampires. They're all, it's like dogs. They all are like more, or, or like, uh, like Darwin's finches where they all have like their really specific beaks that have evolved. Um, the story follows, uh, it's, it's the initial, uh, the first volume follows two narratives. Uh, it follows a woman named Pearl, who is an actress in the mid-twenties. Um, and it follows a guy named Skinner Sweet. Skinner Sweet uh, is an outlaw in you know, the 1870s, 1880s. Um, and Skinner is the first American vampire. He is bitten uh, by a Carpathian vampire, which is the standard, like, Dracula, you know, no garlic uh, wooden stakes, uh, you know, no, no sunlight kind of, kind of deal. And he mutates and he becomes the first of a new breed. Um, American vampires are immune to sunlight, immune to garlic, immune to holy water. Um, but they're allergic to gold. Um, so it's one of the, the few that vampires that has like very few deficiencies. Um, the book does a lot of really cool stuff uh, exploring um, the different sorts of like mythologies you can get uh, uh, from horror, um, and and they're able to by by grounding everything in okay, every like like va vampires are everywhere, and you know it doesn't take much to have one uh, um, to have a creature be defined as a vampire. So werewolves are real, zombies are real. Um, you know, all the sort of super spooky, supernatural, um, you know, things that go bump in the night, they're all just different kinds of vampires, but, um, they can be really different. Um, and the nature of the story allows them to jump through time. So the next volume takes place, you know, 20 or 30 years later, there's, I think the third volume is like a weird world war two story where Skinner becomes a soldier. Um, and it's just, you know, you have all these great opportunities to follow these characters uh, throughout decades. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just beautifully drawn, um, yeah. really sweet and heartbreakingly written in places. 
um, and very much worth your time. I remember this because I'm a huge Stephen King fan, and Stephen King was involved with this. So I I read a a couple of issues of this, and I really enjoyed it, and it was really cool. And I just, we were talking about this earlier that, like, we all, all of us here, you know, Steve and Andy and I, and you, I mean, obviously, um, we all love comic books, but for us, it's hard to keep up with them. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it it, it stinks because there's so much good stuff out there, and a lot of times we miss some of the stuff. So that's so that's why we have this network of, of of nerds, this great geek refuge, if you will, so that we can all talk about these things and share them with each other. Give me a second. I need to copyright that. Um, so <laughs> son of a bitch. Uh, is that, uh, that one comic book called uh, an American Vampire in World War Two? Uh, American Vampire. I think it's Volume Three. Uh, I was trying to make a joke, but it didn't. Oh, happen. see what you did there. <laughs> no, I got it, Andy. I got it. Um. So anyway, um. <laughs> uh, so uh, in mentioning Stephen King, um, uh, I'm going to talk about Stephen King's offspring, Joe Hill. Uh, Joe Hill is King's son. He is a writer in his own right. Um. And he has written um, a couple really great books and and probably my favorite short story of all time. Um, the book that I enjoy the most from him is called Heart Shaped Box. Um, it's a story about a, um, a middle-aged shock rocker, a guy, a guy who calls himself Judas Coyne, um, who is basically like, you know, so basically, like a little, like a slightly more modern Alice Cooper, so like more of a Marilyn Man- Manson Alice Cooper hybrid. Um, he's a guy who's just, you know, pretty much over the hill, uh, uh, older dude who's sleeping with a lot of younger women, um, and to sort of maintain his his uh, his reputation, his appearances, he buys lots lots of weird, crazy shit online. Uh, and his assistant is the one who actually does all the, all the actual purchases. Um, someone sends them a listing for a ghost. They're going to sell someone. They're, they're looking to sell a ghost. What? Um, it's and, and, and in the listing, they make a point of saying, like, well, obviously, we're not going to send you like an empty box. So what I'm going to do is it's my grandfather who who is the ghost. I'm going to sell you his uh, his favorite suit. Um it's and it's the one that we almost buried him in, um, and so dude buys it. Uh, uh, Judas gets it, and it turns out uh, this wasn't just a random thing. This ghost, which it's real, um, this ghost is the father of a woman that Judas um, slept. They, they had a relationship years ago. Um, she suffered some serious mental illness, uh, and she took her own life. And the family has blamed him ever since. So, yeah. So, uh, so he basically buys into his own haunting. Um, it's really sweet and super creepy and disturbing. And it's a great story about regret and being able to try and make amends with, you know, with the, the horrible things you've done. Um, and acknowledging, you know, and, 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 you know, being self-reflective and acknowledging, uh, you know, past mistakes. Um, the book is great. I recommend the audiobook as well. Uh, Stephen Lang reads the entire thing and he does a phenomenal job. Um, 
for a guy who has a voice as grizzled as his, he's able to make a, you know, to really soften it whenever he does all the, uh, all the women's parts. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, I have the audio book. I've listened to it at least two or three times. Um, so yeah, uh, heart shaped box by Joe Hill is wonderful. Nice. Um, so how much longer you want me to keep going? I can, I have like four or five more things I can go through. Well, um, I wanted to I wanted to stop on that real quick too because Joe Hill, okay. um, just for a second, because Joe Hill yeah. does a lot of good stuff, and not only that too. Holy shit, does he look exactly like his dad? Creepily <laughs> like his father. Yeah, like it, it. It's literally like they just like just cloned him, like you know, like like old Greek mythology. They like you know plucked him from Zeus's head, and <laughs> there's Joe Hill. Um, Have you guys seen a uh, creep show? Yeah. Yeah. The kid who uh, yeah. was like, please don't beat me, Daddy. I'm sorry. At the, at the beginning, that's Joe Hill. That's he totally looks Joe Hill. just like Stephen King. Can we can we talk about how fucked up their lives must have, like, his life must have, must have been, <laughs> but also how awesome it must have been? Because, like, like, cause not only that, Stephen King's wife, and I can't remember her name right now, but she's a, she's a writer, too. She and, is. Like, not only that, they all just write this, like, these horrifying stories about like these horrible things, uh, Tabitha King, but like they also have this really dark sense of humor and like, it must've been like the awesomest house to grow up in ever. (laughs) Like, like everybody else is like, Hey, we're going to do this normal thing for dinner. We're going to have, you know, we're going to have pizza and then we're going to watch, you know, full house together as a family. What are you doing? Joe Hill? You know? Oh, we're going to watch faces of death. Exactly. (laughs) Maybe we'll make one later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We gotta give it to uh, Tom Atkins in that movie too, who has some of my favorite dialogue in any movie where he's just like, "Can you believe he's reading this crap? Look at all this crap! <laughs> Holy shit! I was reading all this shit when I was a kid. It was crap. Oh, all this okay. crap." <laughs> he's so shit. aggressive about all of it too. <laughs> he's so angry about these fucking comics his kids read. I love Tom Atkins so much. Oh man. Oh, oh! Quick aside here. Um, I gotta give you props, Mister Rambo, because you recommended Brockmire. Yes, I, sir. I finished the whole first season of that show, and goddamn it, I haven't laughed that hard in a really long time. Um, that that show was so friggin' funny. Like, I I really really enjoyed season one of Brockmire. Um, is that that Canadian show? No, that that's the other show that we talk about. That's that the other show we talk about, yeah. Yeah, that's um, that is Letterkenny. Letterkenny is the Canadian show. Oh yeah, which you need to watch as well, Andy. It's on Hulu. Um, but um, Brockmire is on Hulu as well. It's um, Hank Azaria of Simpsons vocal fame plays this out of luck baseball announcer who basically like caught his wife having like this ridiculous like sex orgy. And like has the like a mental breakdown on the air while he's broadcasting a game, and like basically becomes the first like internet uh, viral video because like him going apeshit, everybody just absolutely falls in love with, and they start calling it keeping it Brockmire, which is like keeping it a hundred only to a much more violent and angry degree. Um, <laughs> but it's it's basically him, and he's got the baseball guy voice. But just some of the stuff that he says, like at one point, a dude hits a home run and he goes, that ball can't be buried in a Jewish cemetery because it's just been tattooed. It just got tattooed. 
<laughs> but his his rant about about fat guys in baseball when Fatty Boombalati comes to bat, he's like, <laughs> he's like Fatty Boombalati is four hundred pounds, the fattest man ever to play baseball, and that's an accomplishment because baseball is full of fat pieces of shit. Like, <laughs> God damn it, I'm gonna have to rewatch that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's so it's so good, it's so enjoyable. Um, but it's it's and it's one of those things where you see him like. He's such a self-destructive dude, and he has a great arc through that whole first season. Oh yeah, um, that makes me really excited for a second season. Yeah, uh, and there's there's actually you can find it. I've I've seen uh, the first episode. The first episode is on YouTube. Oddly enough, you can catch the whole first episode there of the second season. Sweet. Um, but yeah, let's um let's circle back here. Um, give us some more horrifying media. But I want to give like this is there's the reason why the two of you are on this show together. So. Of of my GGR contributors that I am friends with, my guys that, that help me on this website and my podcast. So, and again, guys, thank you so much for doing all that you do. Um, both Absolutely. You, both you and uh. Andy, and then also Vic. Vic couldn't be with us tonight because he's actually going. He's actually watching the new Halloween movie right now. Um, oh, fair enough. <laughs> you guys are all huge horror fans, and it's actually like Steve. Steve uh, dropped out because he's had uh, a very long day. He's uh, got a, a head to bed because he was falling asleep. Is what he said. He's not a huge horror fan, so it's just three of us now. But you guys are huge horror fans. So, Andy, I wanted to give you a chance, too, man. Um, I also know you're a huge gamer. Um, give a little crossover here, too, because I know you were playing for a while. You were playing, um, a, it was a Friday the 13th video game, wasn't it? Yeah, they uh, they made, like, a multiplayer game where you can either play as Jason or uh, a counselor, depending on how, you know, the luck of the draw goes. And basically, you can either hide or try and escape Crystal Lake, or if you're Jason, you gotta try and kill everybody. And the great thing is, if you're a fan of the movies, you get to play as almost every Jason there was. Uh, and the guy who's probably the fan favorite, Kane Hodder, uh, he uh, he did the motion capture for it. He did all the kills and stuff like that. And it's for uh, Friday the 13th fan. It's an awesome game. I, I can't speak for casual gamers because you know i grew up watching the friday the 13th movies and this is right up my alley it's a lot better than that nintendo game where you <laughs> chuck rocks at zombies and get lost in the woods and shit is that the one that says like if, if you die it says you've died you failed all of your friends like <laughs> yeah all your friends are dead game over congratulations you're Go dead ahead. you're a piece of shit go to hell um, just that, uh, that that game's uh, it's free on uh, uh, PSN this month. Yeah, so if you have a if you have PlayStation and you uh, your PS Plus member, I think that's what it's called. It's free. There you go. Sure. Um, okay, real quick, and then Rambo, you can go ahead and finish up your uh, your list, man. Um, yeah, sure. I want to talk about scary as shit video games. Um, yeah, I, I have a video game on the list. Well, well. Damn, it's like I—it's like we talked about this before you came on the air. Um, I'm gonna make a list right now. God yeah. damn it! So I think anybody talking about scary video games has to start with—I mean, I think everybody, because we're all about the same age. Um, the first one that I think really scared any of us would be that first Resident Evil on the PlayStation. Oh yeah. Um, that—that that was fucking just, dogs, man. Yeah, dogs crashing through windows, walking by zombies that you think are dead and they're not, and they grab you by the ankle. Like it was just oh god, and like. 
not only that too, they do a lot of subtle things with that game to make it scary. So like for instance, if, you, if you're in the pause menu, you can actually see how, how fast your character's heartbeat is racing. Like, yeah. So when you go into the attic and you have to fight the giant spider and it's bit you and poisoned you and like you see that your heart is racing but it's an irregular heartbeat because you've been poisoned. Yeah, like that is... God, that... No, it's not a spider. I'm sorry, it's the giant snake. The snake is uh, upstairs. The snake, yeah. yeah. There are spiders in it, though, that poison you. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. Like, that game... Do they, I can't remember. Do they, they spray, like, poison, or...? Yeah. They spray okay. shit at you. Those fucking assholes. Yeah. Fucking like, spiders. You don't get superpowers, you die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there, was, there was something really gratifying, though, about blowing the head off of that giant snake, though. Because, like... That, the first couple of times you Buck fight it and, it and it bites you, oh, it was the worst. And then you're like, oh, God, I'm going to die. I'm going to get poisoned. And yeah. And yeah. That one scared the crap out of me. Um, really, after that, I, I can't think of any other video games. I mean, Silent Hill was just weird and frightening. Um, but then for me, like, I, and I'm just going to mention a couple because you guys have uh, got the lists here. But um, Dead Space. Dead Space oh, yeah. was. That's totally what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> That game is utterly frightening. And, and you know what? Since that's what you were going to say, Rambo, go ahead, man. You, you've got more to talk about it than I do. But, like, the fact that they even made it purposely more frightening. They were like, hey, um, you like pause menus? Nope, you don't get one of those. <laughs> well, so so what I really appreciate, and, and like, I'm not going to pick any one of them yeah. because I think all three of them are really fucking good. Um, the thing about the Dead Space games is they are the perfect combination of really disturbing horror uh, and just a good action game. Um and they they totally fuck with the players in that you know we've all been trained you know put a bullet in the head I don't, that's what it takes it down and in the dead space games not only does that not work um that can make things worse um so the the nature of the um i don't know disease curse whatever you want to call it um elder god bleeding into reality uh, is it will rebuild and remake human uh, uh, well, dead flesh uh, into new bodies? You know, uh, uh, sort of a, a the thing esque um, horrors running around. Um, and so the only way to really take those out is you have to dismember things. Uh, so you you know your your instinct is all right, shoot it in the head. But really what you need to do is like shoot it in the shoulders, shoot it in the knees, shoot it in the in the hips to break it into pieces so it can't reform. Um, and between that and the really fucking disturbing story, which is basically, hey, what if Scientology really got its claws in and maintained for like a couple <laughs> hundred years? Seriously, read read up on, on the story in that game. It is totally Scientology. Yeah. Um, but uh, and, and yeah, Scientologists fucking you know awaken an elder god and are trying to like get <laughs> back to life and destroy you know destroy universe as we know it. Um, but yeah, man, no, like the 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 designs in the game, both both uh, the monsters and uh, Isaac himself, like the the suit that you get, all the well, various suits you get, it the, we haven't seen anything like that. Like no. the way his helmet looks, it's it's so fucking cool. Yeah. Just a really, really good game. Um, Andy, what other games, horror-wise, are, are, are on your list? I might have talked about it before, but uh, this is a game you can't even get anymore. It, it's a damn shame. It's uh, You were talking about Silent Hill. 
they were going to make the guy who made Metal Gear Solid was going to make a freaky ass Silent Hill game. And they did a teaser demo called PT. And basically what it is, you just keep going down this long L-shaped hallway. And each time you go through the door, it's the same hallway, but it's slightly different. But there's always something like, like you, you definitely feel like you're being watched. You know what I mean? I can't even describe it because it's like just talking about what it is. It doesn't sound interesting, but it's actually some of the freakiest shit I've ever seen in my life. Uh, you go into the bathroom and there's like a talking fetus in the sink. Uh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, there's there's like a there's like a sort of like a Japanese style ghost uh, that sometimes haunts you, and it comes sometimes it'll, you can see it just down the hallway. Sometimes it's kind of subtle. Other times the thing will just literally jump out of nowhere with no warning whatsoever, and it's quite possibly the most scariest fucking experience ever playing for a video game. There's tons of, like, uh, you know, playthroughs online you can watch on YouTube. If you just like a PT, you know, it it's quite possibly the scare. I'm getting scared just thinking about it. I can't even talk about it because it freaks me out so much. Yeah. But, yeah, look it up. Uh, if you want some comedy, there's a guy online named Markiplier who's really funny, and he plays it. Uh... But what happened was it was supposed to be Guillermo del Toro, uh, Hideo Kojima, and uh, Norman Reedus from The Walking Dead were all supposed to make this game. And then the company who owned Silent Hill said, you're spending way too much money. We're not making this game anymore. (laughs) So now, and everyone was looking forward to it. Like everyone was looking forward to dying (coughs) playing this game. And now it's not going to happen. You can't even play the demo uh, unless you already download it. So that's the only reason I'm not getting rid of my PS4 is if I'm feeling ballsy someday, I might play the game again. <laughs> Had a couple of drinks, you got some liquid courage, you're like, I'm going to play this game, I'm not scared anymore. If I got some growing up, I'd be like, I'm going to play PT. they like, no, don't do it, baby. <laughs> um, I, I, I gave up gaming a while ago, so I haven't played any really good horror games in a while um i played a couple of the zombie ones like left for dead wasn't really scary um uh, i played one it was it was a dead island which let me tell you how disappointing this game was like the trailer <laughs> yeah the trailer was incredible the, tra- mm-hmm. the trailer was just awesome and it was heartbreaking and it was just it was this beautiful movie that had nothing to do with the video game and like the video game just w- was it, it was all right it was pretty much just a clone of all of the other zombie-esque games. But there were some scenes that were just, like, totally freaky. Like, at one point, you're, like, basically in this, like, tropical island. And there's this resort, and there's this hotel, and there's been a zombie outbreak. And you don't know what caused it. And you're starting to try to find the reason why it happened. And you're going out into the woods. And there's this random zombie that its arms... Like, imagine no hands on, on, a, on a dead body... And the bones that would make up the rest of the arm up to the wrist have been sharpened into stabbing weapons. And this thing just runs around and screams and tries to stab you to death. Um, you find that when you run into the jungle. And that's pretty fucking scary. When you're playing this game and it's like 1 o'clock in the morning and all of a sudden this dude with sharpened arm bones stabs you in the face. It's enough to give you a minute. And you're like, alright, you know what, I'm going to pause this and go downstairs and get some pizza rolls or something because they freak me out. Like, yeah. Like, that... that was 
the only one of the few scary moments in that game. The rest of it was just kind of average at best. But yeah, I'll never forget the that the arm guy. I don't even know what the hell the thing was called, but like. It just, it freaked me out. And I remember, like, I was like, all right, if I'm going to go back into the jungle, I'm going to need, like, three shotguns and, like, 8,000 rounds and, like, some, some bombs. Like, I'm going to need, like, a flamethrower. Like, I, this, there's there's no way I'm going back into the jungle without, like, th this stuff. Andy, have you played, uh, you play much Steam games? Every now and again, but I never, I have a bad habit of buying them and never finishing them. Oh, I hear that. Um, <laughs> there is a game that I have yet to finish. Because it's, it freaks me out too much. Uh, it is called Doki Doki Literature Club. Have you heard of this? I have. It's not even... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you you have no idea what, what we're talking about, I bet. But it's, I, I it's... don't, but now I'm intrigued. <laughs> okay. Um, we were talking about Japan earlier. You know, like, in Japan, they have, like, dating sim games where you try and you know, make girlfriends and go out on dates and stuff like that? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, this game starts off like that. Like, literally, like, you can play this game for, like, six six hours, and it's just that. That's all it is. And then this game takes, like, the biggest, sharpest left turn out of nowhere and just goes very, very dark and very, very wrong to the point where it's kind of funny. <laughs> And well, even even the like the thing that really freaks me about out about it is, um, it's creepy enough when it takes that turn. Because so, so it's 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 like like Andy said, it's a dating sim. Um, you're you know you're yourself. Uh, you have this girl best friend who is like, hey, you're you know you're supposed to come join literature club, which is her and three other girls uh, who just read books. And that's the whole deal. Um, and it's all almost entirely text-based. Uh, like there, there's visuals, but but there's very little. There's, it's very limited in terms of like what your actual uh, the gameplay is. Uh, it's mostly just like clicking through text. Okay. Um, and based on various decisions you make, you can basically you know basically like flirt with certain you know with with uh, the various girls, um, be more into or less into them, spend time with them, uh, and. I only played through the first level, and and I've only played through the one girl. Um, but depending on which one you choose, one is a serial killer, one kills herself. Um, I, I I know that you know another one. I think probably kills another girl. Like it's it's all super fucking dark. Um, and you're like, oh, well, I never have to play that again. Uh, and then, but then, but then you open it back up. And now the game is all weird and glitchy. And it's because what's happened is the girl is dead. And it's like the game remembers that she's supposed to be there. So you'll you'll be playing through and it'll it'll get to a scene where that girl's supposed to appear. And it glitches out like a motherfucker. And the music shifts and there's all these problems that start popping up with it. And eventually it'll sort of, sort of start to move on. And, and sort of like almost like make peace with the fact that she's not there, but you get all these weird errors um, and um, and like strange pixelation that'll show up. And apparently this goes really deep into the game itself. And I mean that literally in the code itself, there's a bunch of hidden messages, um, one of which is all I think all written in binary. And if you translate it, 
It is the diary of one of the girls talking about her first kill. What? It is fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> it, <laughs> this game is absolutely bananas. I want to I want to stop you there for a second because I want to I want to comment on this, and this is more of a commentary to. Um, it's really the older generation. Our generation doesn't really have this problem because we appreciate video games as a form of media, not just as like something stupid to waste your time with. But I was having a conversation with a, a guy that I work with that's a little bit younger than us, like in his like early 20s, and he was telling me that he doesn't really watch TV that much, that he plays video games, and that's his form of entertainment. And when you hear things like this that you just described, this is deeper than any television sitcom that you'll get in 30 minutes. Like, they, they put so much work and effort into this. This is an art form. And the fact that this has even ever been debated that video games are not an art form is just, it, it's it's insulting. It's absolute insanity, yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, it really, they find a way to get into your head. And yeah. They, and what's great about video games is when they, uh, they they've figured out ways to, like, have you a change the story in little ways so you can replay the thing all over again whereas uh in tv you just have the same episodes over and over and over again sure you're part of the game and that's that's what makes it great and i think that this is going to be a great opportunity for us to kind of wrap things up here guys um because what we'll do is we'll continue this video game conversation when we get into the month of november james rambo you're new to the ggr but november november for us is what we call nostalgia november where we find one thing a video game a movie um a tv series um a comic book whatever it is and we just gush about that thing nostalgically yeah andy did one about nostalgic food that was really really good it's actually andy i was reading through when we restarted ggr that food article is actually one of the more popular ones from nostalgia november so good job Um, thank you so yeah i mean in november we'll do that and i think that it would be really cool to do a podcast just about video games as an art form and talk about like not just like you know hey this this one was great because you got to blow a bunch of zombie heads up no like video games that we when we had that moment when we were like holy crap this is beautiful this is incredible like this is some of the best storytelling i've seen something like that and i think all of us have at least a couple already that we're already thinking of oh yeah absolutely yeah not really (laughs) i don't even like video games they're lame um mr rambo go ahead and give us um what, uh, a few more of your uh, of your pieces here, and then we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Sure thing. Um, okay, so I'll skip over the uh, uh, Hill wrote another uh, uh, short story called Abraham's Boys. It's a story about uh, the two sons of Abraham Van Helsing, uh, as they are both children, um, and it is super fucked up. Uh, <laughs> it it the story is <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, story is. Uh, follows uh his, his eldest son and um you know he's the focus of the story and it's essentially about the idea that anybody who is a genius or an expert in one field usually everything else in your life suffers because your focus becomes strictly on that um what that means is van helsing preeminent expert on vampires is a shitty fa- fucking father um he is abusive and um, and absolutely terrifies his two sons. Um, and there's a great suggestion in the story itself that vampires might not exist and he might just be a crazy person. What? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you crazy old fuck. It is. Uh, it's in the collection uh, 20th Century Ghosts that Joe Hill did, uh, which is just a, a collection of just, just his short stories. And it's very much worth your time. Um, 
to 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 pivot a bit um, from uh, from short stories to books, but specifically more to audiobooks. Okay. Um, World War Z. So World War Z, for anyone who doesn't know, is it was the first really big piece of zombie fiction in the 2000s that really got things moving um, and really set, you know, sort of sort of uh, uh, this and Walking Dead are really the two things that absolutely jumpstarted this massive wave that we're still dealing with mm-hmm. of zombie fiction in the last, you know, uh, almost 20 years. Yeah. Um, uh, that and 28 Days Later. That Absolutely, 28 Days Later, yeah. Um, and whereas Walking Dead is probably worn out its welcome, um, World War Z is phenomenal. The book is fantastic. Um, I have yet to watch the movie. I cannot give an opinion on the movie, but I was aggressively turned off by the movie. Um, because there's a there's one major change between the book and the the movie. The movie the uh, is focusing uh, the the reporter character um, Brad Pitt's character as things are happening. The book takes place about a decade after they've already happened. Yeah. Um. So you know it's it's really it's a series of interviews. Um, uh, uh, as performed by this guy who worked for the UN, um, the, the metatextually Max Brooks uh, plays the character of Max Brooks, who is a UN investigator. Uh, he's somebody who is sent in to go and um, uh, uh, collect information after natural disasters. Uh, and unfortunately, he spends a couple years getting all these interviews done, and his boss is like, "This is all too anecdotal. We needed hard facts." we can't use any of this. Um, but then tells him, well, this is all declassified. So write a book. I don't give a shit. So that's what he does. Um, the reason I want to talk about the audiobook is, uh, as I mentioned before with heart shaped box, uh, Stephen Lang reads it and he does a phenomenal job. That is usually the case with audiobooks. One person reads it. They do all the voices. They do all the narration. That is not the case with the World War Z audiobook. Oh, yeah? It's a full cast. Nice. Um, and I'm not just talking like, oh, they got a couple people. Um, it is a full cast that includes uh, Alan Alda, Nathan Fillion, uh, Mark Hamill. Uh, Brooks himself plays himself. Um, it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, it is... I've listened to it at least three times. Uh, it is my go-to, like, oh, I need, you know, I, I have, like, 12 or 13 hours to kill. I need to do something, or or, or I have, like, a long drive ahead of me. I'm going to be listening to this. Okay. Um, and it is, yeah, uh, Rob Reiner, Paul Sorvino, uh, Jerry Ryan. Um, it's just, It really is just phenomenal. Um, let me see if I can find the full cast. Uh, <sighs> this is great radio um okay so yeah uh nathan fillion um is the voice of stanley mcdonald who is a uh, a canadian special forces guy i'm not gonna go through the entire list okay. um carl reiner uh, uh martin scorsese uh simon Pegg, denise crosby fucking tasha yar is a voice in this uh as is Bruce Boxleitner and Henry Rollins and Maz Jabrani. It's it really is fantastic, yeah. uh, and everyone does a wonderful job. Um, 
it's absolutely chilling. It's really disturbing. And it's all firsthand accounts uh, of this really, really horrible thing that all these people had to experience from completely different perspectives. Uh, um, we're talking, you know, civilian and military. Hamill is, is one of the few characters that appears multiple times. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's sort of the only one who has a story arc. Uh, Mark Hamill does the voice of Todd Wynio, uh, who is, when we first meet him, he is a soldier who's just joined up with the American military. Um, we then pick up with him again where he's talking about, um, or at least he's telling the story when he first started. We pick up, pick up again about halfway through his career, and then but his his last story is toward the end of the end of the book, uh, and it's sort of wrapping up like the the on the ground grunt military perspective of what happened. Um, yeah, and it's it's if anybody doesn't have an Audible account, uh, you can go and sign up, and you get one free book immediately, um, and it is yours to keep. It is hundred percent worth your time. Yeah, I mean that sounds like I'm, I'm in. Like I want to listen to it now because it's um, dude, it's yeah. dope. Yeah. So that was that was great, man. I really appreciate you bringing the different perspective to the media. You know, like you, you yeah, sure, some stuff that people wouldn't even think of. Uh, if I'm gonna throw anything in here as far as horror media, um, I, I mentioned it last week that uh, Black Mirror on on uh, Netflix is, oh, is a great so series. Good. I'm going to give you one right now, gamers, because we were talking about gamers uh, before. We were talking about gaming. Uh, episode, or season three. Uh, the episode is called Playtest. Watch this and proceed to hate your life for the next week or so because <laughs> you can't sleep because this episode is so fucking frightening. Um, I'm watching this looking at the clock tick by. I'm like, oh my God, is this episode over yet? Like, it was that scary. <laughs> and it fucks with your head and it's just overall, fr it's just absolutely wonderful. So definitely check it out. Um, but guys, that's going to go ahead and wrap us up for this evening. Andy Barsh, buddy, tell, tell everybody a little bit about the art projects that you're working on and where they can find your stuff. Um, uh, when we're talking about horror, um, I sometimes do a webcomic called Slaughter Hill, where uh, it's about a small town that's kind of cut off from the world, and it's occupied by every sort of demon, monster, uh you, any kind of like serial killer type thing, horror cliche, it's there in that small town. Uh, so if you're a fan of horror, you definitely have to check that out. Uh, I'm working on a new page now. Uh, let's see. Also, I'm still working on my re my semi autobiographical, you know, retail story called Hostile Work Environment. God, I love that uh, one. I love that script, by the way. <laughs> uh, Oh, I've changed a lot too. I gotta, sh I gotta show you what else I've worked on it. Uh, I just gotta sit down and actually fucking draw it. Uh, so yeah, there's that, and I'm, I want to dust off my old uh, story about the guy who uh, is put in the electric chair, but he ends up getting superpowers, and you know, I just gotta figure out a new name for it because no one can pronounce it right. Oh, sh she's or she or. Zire. Zire. Yeah, I knew something like that. But yeah, see, see, no one knows how to pronounce, so I got to figure that shit out. <laughs> it starts with an X. I was going Chinese, man. They they pronounce it as an S H. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's that. Uh, so yeah, any you can anything, uh, Andy Barch related, or um, you can follow me on Facebook, Art of Andy Barch on Facebook or uh, Instagram is where I usually post all my stuff. My Instagram name is Crazy Bastid, C R A Z I B A S T I D. Uh, 
You just gotta say it with like a Jewish accent. You crazy bastard. You bastard. You yep. stupid bastard. So yeah, that's uh, that's basically where you can find me. Uh, James Rambo. Yes, sir. You do the arts as well. I do do the arts. Where can we find your arts? Do you do? <laughs> Uh, yeah, thank you, Eddie. Um, I am on Instagram uh, at Rambozus, R-A-M-B-O-Z-U-S. Um, I am the same uh, same handle on Twitter. Uh, if you want to hear me talk about being a very liberal man, you go ahead and you hop on hop on Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm a little. I'm, I'm working on a big project right now. I'm a little behind uh, uh, in updating things. I had hoped to do Inktober. Part of me thinks I might actually go ahead and do Inktober in November because fuck it, you don't know my life. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean that that's about it for now. Um, and uh, yeah, spending most of my time right now playing Spider-Man and drawing things. Well, there you go. Very liberal playing Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man. Stupid yeah. bleeding heart with your Spider-Man book. Snow snowflake Spider-Man. <laughs> Flying around with your web shooting out of your your hands say just don't say nothing about trump unnatural (laughs) it goes against god it's not even real it's fake probably fake news it's not even a real spider-man it's not even a real spider-man he's only got four i tell you what though that there j joe jameson he's on the right track though i follow that man he's he's a daggone menace he's a menace and he's a terror i tell you what that j joe jameson man i tell you what he was right when he got the scorpion going on after that man i tell you what <laughs> Maga, Maga. Rednecks are angry at Spider-Man. I like this. We'll we'll have to continue this later. <laughs> I mean, Rednecks are angry at any superhero for that matter. I mean, like, oh, you seen this daggone Superman? I heard he's from another planet. Bet you ain't even here legally. Build a wall around the Fortress of Solitude. We don't need him doing nothing, man. I'm sure he can fly, but whatever. We should still build a wall around him. Damn aliens coming here, saving all of us. Nobody asked us to be saved. Superman's God, taking our jobs. Taking all of our superhero jobs. Flying around. <laughs> thinking he's better than us. Thinking he's better than us. All right, guys. So my project. Let me talk about my art. I'm actually going to play a little bit of it for you right now. Give you a little tease. All right. The next episode of Stop Me If You Heard This is going to be about Tom Petty. The reason for this is um, earlier this month celebrates the one-year anniversary of Tom Petty's passing. It was October the 2nd that he passed of last year. Um, But also tomorrow is, uh, or would have been, his birthday, uh, October the 20th. So I will have an episode of this ready to go because there's a really great story in this. I know it's it's horrible and awful because he passed away, um, but there's a really sweet and um, beautiful story that goes along with uh, his passing. So... Tune into that. Uh, it's called uh, Stop Me If You Heard This. If you go to greatgeekrefuge.com, under podcast, you'll see it right there. You can subscribe. You can listen to all the episodes right there. There will be something for you to listen to very, very soon in that front. But, of course, while you're waiting for that, you've got GGR Pirate Radio. You've got the Geek Sheets podcast. You've also got The Overflow with MC Brooks, which thanks to him for uh, chipping in on the earlier part of the episode today. Uh, listen to his stuff. Check out his album. It's called Dark Dawn. You can get it on Bandcamp. Just look up MC Brooks. It's right there. It's good stuff. But for Andy Barsh, for Steve Monick, for James Rambo, for all of us at GGR, um, again, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. But my name is Michael Lunsford, and this has been GGR Pirate Radio.
This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy.